Amen. You may be seated. We just read of the story of when Christ washed the feet of the disciples before he was crucified. The simple story is profoundly meaningful. Here Christ shows his character. Here Christ signifies his work. Here Christ shares his will. You see, these are glorious truths that ought to be studied and relished and enjoyed. And so in the remaining minutes, I'd like for us to unpack these three things for which Christ reveals. His character, his work, and his will. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, may we honor you. May we honor you by seeing you and savoring who you are and what you have accomplished. And Lord, help me. Help me to speak your word clearly. Help me to exposit your word truthfully. And help me to do so worshipfully. Amen. So on this perennial Maundy Thursday service, we begin in the upper room at the Last Supper. And we end at the garden in Gethsemane. And we find sandwiched between these two events a humble act for which Christ shows his character, signifies his work, and shares his will. Yes, we read of how Christ took up this humble task of washing the feet of his disciples. Here we see that through this humble act of washing his disciples' feet, that Christ shows his character. We're told in verse 4 that he laid aside his outer garments and that he took a towel and he tied it around his waist. Why? To show us that the nature of, to show us the nature of his incarnation, to reveal his glorious character. He emptied himself and clothed himself in our flesh, not so that he be served, but so that he serve. See how he reveals his humble character? And he does this not just through demonstration, but through discourse. When Jesus seeks to wash Peter's feet, Peter responds in verse 6, Lord, do you wash my feet? Initially, Peter refuses to allow Christ to do such a subservient act. He is shocked and appalled by this action. But later, we find him not only offering his feet, but also his hands and his head. He seems confused, doesn't he? Indeed, he is. Jesus confirms this in verse 7. He says, what I am doing, you do not understand now. Peter is unable to grasp the profound meaning of what Christ is doing. He sees but he does not understand. He does not grasp the character of Christ's salvation. Sure, he sees that Christ loves him and he desires to stay with Christ. But he does not understand the deep and profound character for which Christ reveals through this humble act. Here we learn how one may have faith and act boldly 
but still lack understanding. How easy it is to cast off people who have a lack of understanding. How easy it is to think that they are a lost cause. This is not what Christ does. No, he is patient and persistent in revealing to Peter his glorious character. Not only does Jesus reveal to Peter his problem in verse 7, he also reveals to him his promise. He says, but afterwards you will understand. He reveals his promise. Let us remember the promise of Christ. Let us never forget this. He came to serve, not to be served. And this is good for us. This is good news. He came to reveal his saving character. It may be difficult to grasp Christ's rich character. It may be puzzling. It may even be perplexing to us. But may we remember that he not only reveals to us our problem, but also our promise. Yes, we see through the glass dimly, but one day we will see clearly. Our minds and wills may be corrupted, but God makes himself known. He penetrates our dark hearts. Child of God, he shows us his redeeming character. So let us show others how patient and persistent he is in helping us to understand his saving character. Yes, let us remember ourselves and others that eventually Peter discovered the full meaning of what happened on that night before Christ's crucifixion. Let us remind ourselves of this. There will be a day when all will be revealed A day when every mind will see clearly the full character of God for whom the psalmist describes in Psalm 116. He says, gracious, merciful, my God is righteous. Secondly, we see that through this humble act of washing the disciples' feet, Christ signifies his work. Why else would Christ say to Peter in verse 8, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And later in verse 10, he tells Peter that he is clean, but not every one of his disciples are clean. Why does he do this? Does this because his humble act of washing the disciples' feet signifies his supreme work? And if it signifies his supreme work, then it also exposes that not all of them are made clean. So what should we do? Should we speculate whether we be of the elect or not? There's no benefit in that. There's no benefit in speculation. We must not feed on the tree of knowledge. We must feed on the tree of life. Let us remind ourselves that all that is needed is to be washed by Christ. For Jesus says in verse 8, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Yes, let us make every effort to know his immeasurable mercies. Let us be alert that we might see those divine signs that are pledges of our salvation. No one can be saved unless their sins are washed by the blood of Christ. Not even a disciple who followed Jesus around for three years. 
Nothing can make one clean or acceptable before God except one who is cleansed by Christ. Even faith will not make us clean. Faith only applies what has already been accomplished. We must be bathed in Christ's work. And we must be renewed by His daily mercies. Yes, those daily mercies are not only, not only give witness of His once and for all work, they are to give our heart assurance of our salvation as well. If we be cleansed and forgiven by Christ, then we will be renewed daily. Yes, we will receive Christ's cleansing daily. This is non-negotiable. It's like asking whether someone can be a Christian and not be part of God's church. We must be renewed by His mercies daily if we be washed by His work upon the cross. Try not wearing shoes and keeping your house clean. You can't do it. We cannot go about life without becoming dirty. We must regularly be cleansed and renewed. As a child, I remember swimming in our backyard swimming pool. And at the ladder of the swimming pool, we would always have a tub of water. We would always dip our feet into that tub of water before we would re-enter the pool to cleanse our feet from the grass so that we not bring the grass into the pool. If we wish to dwell in the pool of Christ, then we must regularly be cleansed and renewed. Yes, we must daily be dipped into the mercy of Christ. Yes, our faith must be nourished by the sign of His merciful work. You see, it assures our heart. It strengthens our faith when we are daily dipped in the mercies of Christ. There's not a day that goes by that we don't fail and fall short. That we don't become dirty and defiled. We frequently need the fresh supply of our Lord's mercy and loving kindness. It not only provides a necessary cleansing, but a strengthening too. Jesus said in verse 10, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Yes, we must return to that same fount that made us clean. We must bathe our feet there. We must be regularly refreshed and renewed. We need not to be rebaptized, but simply refreshed by the living water where we first found peace. Christ tells the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation that he has one thing against them. They have forgotten their first love. And he gives practical guidance to this wayward church. He says, Practice your first deeds again. Whether you are in love with the Lord or that you discover that He is no longer your first love, return to the fount of grace daily. Yes, practice your first deeds again. Return to Him. See who He is. Receive those signs that give witness to His immeasurable love for you. For it is with the blood of Christ that we must begin. And it is with the blood of Christ that we must continue. And lastly, we see that through this humble act of washing His disciples' feet, that Christ 
shares his will. In verse 15, we are told that Christ's disciples ought to do just as he has done to them. He shares his will. He tells us that he intended to set himself as an example for us to follow. This is the will of Christ, that we follow his example and humbly serve others. If the only begotten Son of God did not think that it was beneath him to do the humblest work of a servant, there is nothing that we, his disciples, should think that is too small for us to do. He is our example for which we are to follow. There is no grace that is so commended than that of humility. And there is no sin that is so offensive to God than that of pride. Peter says, be clothed with humility. Jesus says, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Paul writes, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself. How much better we would be if we practice this simple truth of humility. God abhors self-conceit. He abhors arrogance, self-satisfaction, and pride. Why? Because they are contrary to his character. You see, one anothering is the fabric of the Holy Trinity. His satisfaction is grounded in selflessness. And his salvation is steeped in humility. So let us love others as our Lord has loved us. Yes, we should find joy in practicing acts of kindness and helping others. It is our pleasure to lessen sorrow and to multiply joy, even if it costs us much. We should love others so well that we are willing to prefer them over ourselves. This was the mind of Christ. This was the way of Christ. This is the principle which he valued and the behavior in which he exemplified. This lesson may be simple, but it is significant. It can never be overrated. Everyone can grasp humility and love. We know it when we see it. And we see it in Christ washing his disciples' feet. We may not understand doctrines. We may disagree about philosophies. But we all agree on this simple lesson that Christ shows. There's no mystery here. So let us practice humility and love. Let us practice this for which Christ shows. Do we see the example that we are to follow? Do we see his glorious character and work? We would do well to remember that even those who kept company with Christ were not all washed from their sin. If even Christ's own disciples were not all clean, then we need to be careful not to retire from his mercies and presume that we are safe. 
So let us never rest until we hear Christ Himself say that we have full understanding of His glorious character, work, and goodwill to us. Let us never rest until we hear those words of Christ. May Christ Himself provide to us the only proof that we are right in God's sight. Why else would He utter such a command to follow His example? We must know who He is, and we must know the place that He occupies if we are to one day occupy that same blessed place. Yes, we must do what He commanded His disciples to do in the Garden of Gethsemane. We must watch and pray. We must fix our eyes on Him. We must study Him that we might know His good will, good work, and good character that is for us. Amen.